Well, good morning, church, and Merry Christmas. I'm going to tell you something. This, this December, I felt like it was last Sunday that I said Happy Thanksgiving. This December has, has moved for me, but, but here we are. It is Christmas week. Let the festivities begin, right? Hey, how many people have somebody coming in for Christmas? Or maybe they're already here with you. Okay, quite a few. How many are happy about it? No, 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 don't answer that question. Let's... Especially if they're sitting here with you. We just, we'll just let that go unknown right now. <laughs> yeah, man, I tell you what, I, I, Christmas is about a crowd in the house, isn't it? I, I, we, Karen and I, we love that, you know, and I imagine a lot of you do too. I mean, sure, yes, it's, it's, uh, well, it's more peaceful, it's more restful, it's more comfortable, and just about everything is better when it's not that way. But, hey, you only live once. It's Christmas season. It's supposed to be full. Hey, have you noticed... How, how Christmas has almost become synonymous with being overcrowded. I mean, it starts with the malls, it goes to the traffic, and then finally it lands on this week inside our homes. I mean, it's, it's, if it's Christmas, it's overcrowded. I mean, it's almost like if it's not overcrowded, that something's wrong, isn't it? It's, it's almost kind of sad. You know, we're, we're, nobody's here this Christmas you know, why do we do that to Christmas? We don't do that on the other holidays. Nobody says that about Labor Day, do they? You know, think about it. Even with Easter. Okay, I mean, there's another very significant, important religious holiday, but we don't necessarily approach Easter with, we've we got to get everybody in. We've got we've to be all together. You, 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 how about this one? You don't ever hear anybody call and say, we're going to be all alone this Halloween. <laughs> no, but with, with Christmas, we do that, don't we? With Christmas, it is about getting everybody together. That tradition has become so strong. Think about this. Even an unbelieving culture, a, a culture that's right on the cusp of demanding from us a Christless Christmas, believes that something's going on right now that we should be together, don't they? I mean, I mean this is a time for, for getting all together. You know, it makes me wonder, does our soul know... Whether we believe or not, our soul knows that this moment is about being together. And even more than being together, it's about being together with God. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 up here. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means what? God with us. Hey, man, God's going to be with us this Christmas. Is that good news or is that kind of scare you? <laughs> What's on your to-do list if God is coming to your house for Christmas? See, Christmas is Friday, so let's say he's arriving Wednesday. You've got three days till God gets here. What do you, is that a little bit unnerving? Are you thinking, is your first thought what you need to hide? What you need to get rid of? What's on your to-do list to prepare for God coming to your house? Maybe a, a couple dozen more cookies, uh, another Amazon gift card, got to get another bed ready, or do you put God on the couch in the bonus room? He can probably make that work, can he? I mean, he made the whole earth. What, what, what do you have to do to prepare? You know, I was thinking about that this week. What, what would I do? What would I do in my house? And I started thinking about, well, what, what would make God comfortable? You know, what would make him come into our house and just feel it at home? And I don't know why I went this direction, but I started thinking, well, what makes somebody uncomfortable? Have you ever been in a home where you were uncomfortable? I would imagine most of us have. What, what made you uncomfortable in that moment? Were they, were they doing or saying something that you didn't 
quite understand or maybe you didn't know if you were supposed to respond. Maybe it's the food they're serving, right? Sometimes you're we're eating that. You know? Hey, now here's the reality. Sometimes it's a person, right? Sometimes we're, we're kind of forced to be or we just are in a home and there's, there's a person in there, right? Not, not so comfortable with that. Maybe it's not quite our level of cleanliness, right? What, what makes us uncomfortable in a home? Would those kinds of things, those same things, would that make God uncomfortable in, in my house or, or, or your house? You know, I think not. I, I, I don't think a lot of the things that would make you and me uncomfortable in a home would, would make God uncomfortable in our homes. I, I don't think He's going to be uncomfortable because of the, the size of your home or mine or, or even, and I'm, I'm sorry moms, I, I'm not even sure the cleanliness would make a big deal to God. I know we know somewhere in the Bible it says cleanliness is next to godliness, right? We never found it, but we know it's in there somewhere. I, I don't think that's going to be an issue for God. I don't think it's the, the food that we're going to serve or, or how we decorate it. I, I don't think any of that's really going to be an issue for the Lord. Ah, oh, but I do think there's an issue. I, I, I do think something is, is going on there that, that would make God uncomfortable in all of our homes. It, it's the presence of sin. It's in my home. It's in your home, and you've heard me say it's a little mantra of mine. Sin makes us very much not like God. Sin, sin makes my home not like God's home. As a matter of fact, it makes my home very different. It's, it's a bad different. And, and that's all on me. That's not, there's something wrong with his home. No, that, that, that's all on us. And that difference, folks, means, watch this, there is no to-do list. There's nothing, you know, okay, Sunday, God's going to be here on Wednesday. What am I going to go home and do? There's nothing. There's no to-do list where I can prepare my house so that when God comes in, he's at home. He's comfortable there. There's nothing for me to bake. There's nothing for me to clean. There's nothing to put up. There's nothing to take down. Nothing's going to do that. And that... And that's why I think that maybe the most wonderful, exciting part of Christmas is not the, the virgin birth or the angels or wise men coming from afar. And all those things are important. All of those things have a very significant meaning in the story. But maybe the most wonderful, exciting part of Christmas, folks, is that God wants to be with us. And it's Christmas that makes that possible. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is the work of God so that that can happen. So that he can come into our home and feel at home, feel comfortable, feel good. And even better than that, we can go to his home forever. And not as a guest, but as a child, as an heir of it all. That's what Christmas is all about. You know, Jesus talks to us about coming home, uh, about being there all together. Let me show you where he does that. Would you turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 14? Now, I, you know, we've talked today about, you know, religion. I mean, uh, Christmas is driven by these traditions. And, and certainly traditions uh, right now would include turning to Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2. And I'm turning to John 14. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. 
I mean, we just expect to hear certain passages read when we come on the Sunday before Christmas. But, but I tell you, as I turn to John 14, what you really are going to see Jesus talking about coming home. And, and, and everybody coming home, the whole family being all together for Christmas. And, and, and that really is what Christmas is all about. So let's hear Jesus talk about that. John chapter 14, verse 1. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Now, let me stop right there. I've got a few more verses to read, but there's just just so much in what we just read. First of all, you heard Jesus say, believe in God, believe also in me. Do you see him likening that belief in God is belief in him? If you believe in God, you believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in God. It goes hand in hand. They work completely together. And that belief is a way for you and I to navigate trouble. It's a way for you and I to walk through, to get through, to to come through trouble. Man, do you have any trouble going on right now? I sure hope not. I I hope there's going to be just a wonderful, restful week, just filled with peace and joy and all the stuff on the cards. But, I mean, there's reality, right? I I mean, I know somebody in here, you're, you're carrying some trouble right now. Maybe it's a financial trouble, a relational trouble. Maybe it's something you're kind of anticipating, concerned about in the turn of the the new year. Maybe it's just with your own life and yourself and that that trouble's heavy. Hey, you know what? God wants to help you get through that. He wants to help you navigate that. And he says, believe in me. Now, there's a lot packed into those three words. Believe in me. Because it's real possible that we could say today, well, I believe in God and I don't know that it's helping me any. (laughs) I I, I believe in God and I don't know that I'm being navigated through any trouble. But, But what does that mean when it says believe in God? Believe in who he is. Believe in what he can do. And folks, all of that is communicated right here in his word. So when I'm saying that I believe in God, I'm believing in what his word reveals about who he is, what he's like, what he's doing, and how I join him in that in his word. So see, I, I look to his word. What, hey, what does his word say about my finances, about my relationships, about f- the future and what's going on in the next year and my, my job and, and just my view of myself and the things I'm dealing with? See, believing in God means I believe in that and I, and I obey it. And in that belief, I start having a path to navigate through the trouble. Now, there's a whole lot there in that first verse. And yet, do you feel like Jesus just flies right on by it? Hey, I'd like to talk more, Lord, about the trouble I'm going through right now. I'd like some more help on what believing will do. But it's it's like he leaves verse 1 super fast. Hey, I know there's a lot going on in the right here and the right now, but I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about something that is coming. My dad has a huge house, and we're getting it ready for you. Hey, I wonder if that's a part of navigating the trouble. You know, it's how things will work out. Hey, not everything works out. Not everything gets better here. But it's almost like Jesus saying, hey, listen, whatever trouble you're carrying, man, hold on to this. Find your joy and happiness in this. We're going to a big, big house. My dad and I, we're working on this house. We're preparing this house. We're getting it all ready for you. Do you realize how personal he's making this? He's getting this house ready for you. Now, folks, think about where we've been this morning. 
Man, we talk, we just say, hey, God's going to be here Wednesday. God, God's coming for Christmas. What would you do to prepare the house? And we said, oh man, I, I left you on this horrible kind of negative thought that you can't. You, you can't prepare your house. You can't, you can't do anything to get it ready for God. But now we see what? That God and Jesus are getting a house ready for us. Is that incredible? Uh, they're getting a house ready for us, a house we get to live in forever, not as a guest, as his children, as those who belong there. And then he makes a promise. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back and get you. Isn't that good news? Man, do you hold on to that promise? You know what I do? But I'll tell you something. It's kind of hard, isn't it? I mean, not hard to hold on to it. It's hard for it to feel real because after all, the promise is... Well, it's been 2,000 years, right? I don't know about y'all. When somebody makes a promise to me, I'm kind of thinking two minutes later, when do you deliver? Two minutes. Not 2,000 years. No, obviously some promises take a while to get here, right? Okay, I I can go for two years. 2,000 years? I mean, it just gets tucked into a belief system that maybe has no real impact on today, right? You know, the Jews kind of went through the same thing, didn't they? See, they were promised a Messiah. And, and, and with that promise of a Messiah came all this description of what it would look like when he got here so we wouldn't miss it. We call that description prophecy, right? There was all these prophecies, all these descriptions, all these promises about what it would look like. And some of those promises, some of that description was four or five hundred years before Christ entered in that manger. Some of it was 700 years. Some of it was a thousand years. Yeah, a thousand years is enough time to think, oh yeah, I believe in that promise. Not today though. I mean, today, you know, we got to do the real stuff. But it happened, didn't it? The Messiah did come. The promise was fulfilled. And every bit of that description of what it would look like when he came was fulfilled down to the T. To the Hey, folks, shouldn't that give us some hope? Yeah, it's been a really long time since that promise was made that, he, that he's coming back. But hey, we've seen this before. And it's going to happen. And every bit of that prophecy, every bit of that description is going to happen just like it said. Now, folks, that, that second coming of the Lord. You've probably heard this before, I assume a lot of you. When he comes the second time, it won't be as a baby. And it won't be in a stable. And we won't say how cute. When he comes the second time, he comes as a victorious, conquering king. He comes to bring wrath and judgment on a God-rejecting, Messiah-rejecting world. It will be a really bad moment. Do you know why that's, there's a, that's why there's a first coming? There is a first coming. There is a Christmas so we can be prepared For the second coming. We've got to respond rightly to the first coming. So that the second coming is not our fear. But it is our hope and our joy. Now how do we respond rightly to the first coming? Well let me finish reading John 14 here. Verse 5. Thomas said to him. Lord we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father Except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love Thomas here. 
Thomas is, you know, he's the one that asks the dumb questions and we all kind of snicker at him. But inside we're going, I'm sure glad somebody asked. Because Thomas is sitting here thinking, okay, uh, Lord, big house and rooms and you're going and coming back and we, we know. The, I, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> this whole thing doesn't make any sense to me, Lord. And do you get this feeling that when Jesus re- respl- responds, replies in, in verse 6 that he just kind of bottom lines it? I mean, I mean here, here, here's the bottom line. Not a lot of elaboration, not a lot of explanation, just, just here it is. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I, I am the way to God. I am the truth of God. I am the life of God. And no one, no one, no one yesterday, no one today, no one tomorrow, no one in, in Africa, no one in China, no one in Russia, no one in America, no one young, no one old, no one super religious, no one super irreligious, no one that is really good and no one that is really bad. No one is coming into the house, my father's house with all the rooms that we're preparing for you. No one's coming in except through me. Wow. You know, that is an exciting and uncomfortable statement all at the same time, isn't it? I mean, on the one hand, hey, I got one life and it's clicking off pretty quick here. I mean, why am I here? Where am I going? Is there an afterlife? Is there a God? Is he angry? How do you be okay with that God? How do you get this? A lot of questions and a lot of people out there with answers, right? How do you get it figured out in a lifetime? Hey, Jesus just kind of helped me zero in, right? I mean, no classes, no works to go do, no, nothing to sign up for. I am the way. You come to the Father through me. I mean, that just really narrows it down. Thank you, Jesus. But doesn't accepting that way, coming to that way, kind of become also a total abandonment of all other ways? You are not a way. You're not a way to heaven, not for yourself, not for someone else. Your, your thoughts, your ideas, your idea of what God is and what he ought to be happy with. Your idea of, of who God is and who he should let into his heaven. That won't work. You, you, you are not a way. Another God, another religion, another morality, another philosophy, a, a, another goodness. There is no other way. There's, there's one way. Now that's a, that's a challenging statement to communicate in our culture today, isn't it? Because we're a culture that kind of prides itself on not only accepting all the ways, but even applauding all the ways. Hey, why do you want to be against somebody that's, you know, hey, this is their way to love, to happiness, their way to God. Let, let's, let's celebrate that they're trying. Let, let's celebrate that they're taking some way. And then, and then you have one way. You know, I think this idea is actually one of the reasons that the, the, the church is not very popular. It, maybe we would even use the word hated. And because, you know, people have the idea, I mean, it's, and it's not just Christianity, it's all the religions, right? They're all kind of dogmatic, it's, it's our way, do it. You, you have to come through us to get in the club. You know, and, and, and in our culture, in our world, we don't like that kind of dogmatism, we don't like that kind of exclusiveness, and so that just really seems out of bounds. I, I, I would say this, notice something here. It's not the Presbyterians who are saying Jesus is the only way. 
It's not the Catholics, it's not the Baptists, it's not the Heights, it's not Pastor Han. Jesus said that. You may or may not like the institution of religion or the institution of Christianity or the church, but it's not the church that said that. It's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. Well, who gives them the right to say that? I mean, that's a fair question, isn't it? That's a, that's a really big deal for somebody to say, I'm it and there are no others. All the rest are wrong. That's, a, that's kind of a big thing to say, isn't it? Why does Jesus get to say that? You know what? I could put up about 50 verses right here and they're all each one exciting. I'm I'm just going to put up one. Look at 1 Peter 3.18 here. It says, for Christ, that's the one who said, I'm the only way. He suffered for you. For Christ once suffered for sins. The righteous, the one who, who never made a mistake, who never overslept, who was never negligent. He didn't, he didn't do something wrong on accident and he didn't do something wrong on purpose. He is righteous. He's, he's right with God. He's right with man. He's, he's right with nature. He's right everywhere, right every moment. There's no place where he missed it. The righteous, that's the one who suffered and died for me, for you, who are unrighteous because we have overslept, haven't we? We have been negligent. We've done, I have done wrong on accident and I've done wrong on purpose the righteous he suffered and he died for the unrighteous why why would somebody do that because that's our only chance to be taken to God there's nothing I can do to prepare my house there's no to-do list I can't fix it no matter what I do the sin is still there why can Jesus say I'm the only way because he's the only one who died for me he's the only one who suffered righteously for my unrighteousness he is the son of God that that is that is proven by the resurrection he rose again on the third day that's not a mythological belief that we hold on to that is a historical statement that is proven with historical evidence He is the Son of God. He conquered sin, death, and hell for me. That's why He can say, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And and I get it. As we're coming up, as we're living in our culture today, that that kind of exclusiveness. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I use the word exclusiveness. He's not being exclusive. It's open to all. There's no person who's excluded from this way. Whatever your past was, wherever you've been, whatever your religion or irreligion, whatever you've done right, whatever you've done wrong, there's nothing that excludes you from coming in the way of Christ. It is open to all. But I get, I get it. Right now, big picture, it's still one religion saying my religion's the best, all the others are, are wrong. And that, that, that just doesn't seem very right. You know, if I uh, went to the train station uh, today, I, 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 you know what I'd like to do for Christmas? I'd like, to, I'd like to go to New York City. I don't know. There's something romantic about Christmas in New York City, isn't there? The, the, the tree and the plays and all that. Sounds like, no, a couple, couple knows. Okay, we well, all go to Miami. How's that? We'll go to the other direction. <laughs> I'm going to New York. So I purchase my ticket and a train comes in. I go out and I'm standing on a set of track. Well, not on them. That would make a very short Christmas, wouldn't it? I, I, I'm... 
wherever you stand. I'm standing not on the tracks, but I'm standing where I'm supposed to, okay? And, and so I'm, I'm standing there in front of the train, all excited. I'm going to go and see the miracle on, on 54th, uh, 34th. I got it wrong in the last service, too. You know there's a miracle on some street in New York, okay? Um, okay, so I'm standing there, and, and, the, and the conductor guy, this little fancy hat and everything, comes running out and says, Oh, Miss, Mr. Hahn, you're standing on the wrong tracks. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on this train right here. Well, that, that's not the train. Your, your train's over there. I like this one better. It's shiny. I, you know what? I just this train just feels like me. I kind of relate with this train uh, a, a little better, so I, I'm I'm going to get on this one. Besides, look at look at out in front. This train's going that direction. So pretty and blue out there. The sky. That train's going that direction, and it looks a little cloudy. I don't know. I, I'm just going to go with this train. Well, but this train isn't going to New York City. That, that train's going to, this train's not, it's not going to go where you want to go. Well, that's a little judgmental. That's a, that's a little intolerant. You're, you're not respecting how I look at life. You're not respecting how I see things. And you're not respecting how I want to do this. Now, you know what? My illustration there actually kind of falls apart, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's good for making fun of somebody who wants to respect that there's a lot of ways. But you know what? I don't want to make fun of somebody who wants to respect that there's a lot of ways. And see, the problem with that train illustration is it does assume that only one train goes that way. And so that's the train I have to want. But see, that's an assumption that there's only one train. That's an assumption that there's only one way. And man, if you're kind of in that thinking that, you know what, I just, I just really feel like it's not right, it's not fair, it's not good to, to label one way as the way, I, I get that. I, 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 res- I think I can say I respect that. But what I would encourage you, maybe as you look at 2016, is to kind of begin praying and searching. What's the evidence that all the ways work? What's the evidence? What do you see going on in human life that says, you know what, really anybody can kind of pick one. They all get there. I mean, it sounds good, but what evidence are you basing this on? Because I think we're talking about something pretty big, right? What, what happens when we die? What happens when we meet God? Is there a God? Why did He create me? That, that seems like a, a pretty big issue. So while it feels good to just say, hey, listen, I don't want to argue with you about ways. You, you get yours. I'll get mine. We'll all get there and we'll, we'll celebrate. Hey, I, I get that there's a real good feeling about that. But what if it's not true? What if there is just one way? And I believe with all my heart that there is a Christmas so that we can get to God. Jesus is that way. Jesus is the way to God. And folks, don't hear that as some kind of big, okay, there's a God out there and He's scary and He's angry. You know what Christmas is? It's my way home. I can't get there on my own. But Jesus said he can take me. He's paid so that he can take me. And I can enter that home, not in fear and trembling, but in comfort and joy. 
with, with all the peace, with all the rest, with all the, the joy of arriving home and finally being where I should be. There's a Christmas so we can go home. Let's pray. What a grace, what a kindness, God, that you allow us to know this. It's not fun seeing my inability. It's not fun seeing my sin. But it's truth. And I know it. I I know there's something wrong with me by myself. God, I thank you for wanting me. I thank you for wanting us. I thank you for wanting every human being on this planet in your home. And for providing a way for us to get there. I thank you for sending your son to guide us back home. Lord, for those of us that, that do believe Jesus is the way, I I pray that that alone is a guide through maybe what is our trouble this Christmas season. That we remember that, that as we follow him to our new home in heaven, we're also following him through this life. And there's answers for the things that are going on. Because of our joy, because of our hope and our faith in you, God, may we trust you right here and right now with what you've said with how you want us to follow you. Lord, for those here in the room today that maybe for whatever reason have not yet quite come to the place of seeing that there's one way, that, that Jesus is that way. God, I, I pray that you would, would put a desire in them, a motivation in them to want to pursue that this year. To discuss that, to work that out. Lord, maybe, maybe our church, maybe being here would be a part of how you would do that in their lives. I pray that they would be able to come to some conclusions and some answers. And Lord, I, I also pray for that individual, those individuals that right here, right now, do want to come to faith in Christ. Do want to believe that Jesus is the way. God, would you whisper in their ear right here, right now, that, that you're talking to them? That, that right now you've got their room prepared, you've got them ready, and you want them to begin taking that journey right here today. That first step toward their new home. Lord, I pray today that, that, that people all across this room will come to faith in Christ. And begin to really enjoy and celebrate why there's a Christmas. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.